Hello and welcome to the Life Without Limits podcast recorded at the Performance Locker in Alpena, Michigan. I'm your host and owner of the Performance Locker, Casey Stutzman. A little something different this week for you guys. So last week, if you listened, we got to do the conversation with Melissa Tolan-Halleck, a registered dietitian. And these are these are some episodes, this one in particular, but there's a small series of them that uh, we plan on peppering out through the next few months um, that are, let's just call them cooking specials. So a big part of our conversations with Melissa last week was kind of starting to change the paradigm of how we think about nutrition. And a big thing for us at Performance Locker is this idea of stop dieting and chew your food, right? So there's so much focus in the world of fitness around supplements and cleanses and shakes and quick fixes and meal plans. And we believe very, very strongly. And um, if you haven't listened to the episode with Melissa, it was a, it was a really good one. And she provides a lot of different ways of kind of looking at nutrition that are not necessarily the norm that you would get in magazines and things like that. Um, but getting back to the kitchen and getting back to the kitchen in a place of like, this is not a scary place. Cooking is not a chore. Cooking can be enjoyable with some basic skills and some techniques. The big thing with getting more comfortable in the kitchen and learning to enjoy that environment in that space is now you have the capability to take control of your nutrition where if I'm not comfortable in that culinary space, it makes it very, very difficult to be in the driver's seat of what I'm putting into my body. So um, that really inspired some conversations with some local chefs and some local culinary talent where we're starting to dive into those topics a little bit. Like, what does that look like? And what are some advice from these people that not only are trained classically, but also make their living cooking and, and have just a passion for food? So um, I'm really, really excited for this first one. And I know I'm going out of order a little bit. We have a couple other conversations with staff that we haven't gotten to yet, but um, since we got the chance to talk with Melissa last week and really set the stage nutritionally, I thought this was a good time to jump in with our first cooking special, which is going to be with Ben Darga, who is a classically trained local chef. Um, it was a great conversation. He brings a lot of great stuff to the table. Um, it, it's something I, I really enjoyed the opportunity to get to sit down with him. And I think he provides a lot of insights uh, you know, the thing that I've always found from the culinary aspect is that when you really dive into it, it's not that intimidating. There's some basic things that when people start to understand and some basic concepts, it, it makes that world a lot easier and a lot less scary. And I think Ben does a great job breaking down some of those things and starting to simplify, you know, what are areas to focus on if you're not super comfortable in the kitchen. So there's also some nice little nuggets here if you are someone who likes to cook and wants to start exploring and looking at things a little bit different way. So uh, without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy our first cooking special. There will be more of these. We have some wonderful, talented chefs in the Alpena area, and I'm really excited to get to talk with them and highlight and um you know, we have some different angles that we want to take with some of the different people, but I think uh, Ben did an amazing job and this is a wonderful starting point and I really hope you guys enjoy it. So enjoy. Today we are sitting with Ben Darga. Hi, Ben. 
Hi, Casey. How are you today? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Good. Ben is the owner of Five Bad Hens, which is a, uh, let's call it food truck, mobile food establishment. There you go. Cool. Within the Alpena area, last summer was your first year, correct? First year, yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well. Um, so spoilers. Okay. You are a chef. I am a chef. <laughs> I am You a, cook good food. I am a <laughs> This a is what cook. you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For a living. It's my passion in life. Um, I'm married. Got three little girls. Nice. Okay. Went to culinary school, did all that fun stuff. Where'd you go to culinary school at? Grand Rapids Community College. And is that a... Now, most culinary schools are two-year programs. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. I know just a teeny tiny bit. Just So my brother-in-law, who you know quite well, yep. it went to... What's the one in Traverse City? Traverse City would be like Northern Michigan. That's the one. Yeah. So yeah. he did his culinary training there, yeah. his two-year program there as well. Um, I've always been fascinated by the depth of it. And trying to think at it like the thing that surprised me after getting to know him more and his experience more and talking to him more so when you go through this experience and I think what makes you guys really good at what you do is that level of, like when you apply heat to something when you apply that like when you dabble in these different techniques like you know what it's doing like mm-hmm. chemically do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, right. you don't just learn the techniques in this environment. You are learning this does this and this does this and this does this. And how can I take this one thing and how can I apply these different techniques, these different pairings and create completely different stuff just by heating at different times, heating with different sources. Exactly. Was that something you were prepared for? Like, what got you into culinary school? It was just mostly the love of cooking. You know, okay. I really didn't know what I was doing. Started out as a dishwasher, as most everyone does. How old were you at when you went to culinary school? Right out of high school. So okay. I was nine, 18, 19 years old. So had you, you've been cooking your whole life? Well, for maybe two two years. So it, it was not something that you started when you were a wee lad? Well, no. You, you watch your mom and dad cook and right. all that stuff. And uh, Yeah, I remember as a, a young kid, we got uh, the Food Network came oh, Yep, okay. okay. And Emerald Gassi and yes. all, those, all those crazy guys. And um, it got, got you excited. Right. You know? So I would uh, try to make my own things in the house and wasn't really great at it. You know, was never confident in cooking chicken or burgers or anything like that. So, uh, you know, when I became a dishwasher, I kind of watched and learned and kind of grew from there and got excited about it. And, uh, you know, went to culinary school because I didn't know what I was doing. You know, so I just wanted to uh, learn techniques and all the skills and see what it was all about. And then after culinary school, what was the first stop out of the gates? So during, for a class at culinary school, you have to do an internship. Okay. okay so my first summer, I was um, given the opportunity to work at an awesome place in Harbor Springs. Okay. Okay. Um, a little Trevor's Big Golf Club. Um, learned under one of the you know, greatest people, not just, you know, chefs, but greatest people, um, which helped a lot. His name was Jeff Radel. But, you know, he taught me more things than cooking in the kitchen, the organization, you know, uh, all of that type thing, watching what's going on, you know, and learning from other people, learning different techniques. The um, logistics just, just in, in a commercial kitchen are kind of mind-boggling. Yeah. I mean, if you really stop back yeah. and think about it, like if you've ever prepared a complicated dish at home, just for your family. Yeah. And then you think about, like, what does it take to do that consistently? Yeah. 
how over how many covers a night like it, exactly. it, it's pretty mind-blowing it I mean it, it's it's something that I've always found incredibly fascinating yeah I mean the thing with cooking is you know it can taste good and you can make good food but can you execute them during a really busy dinner service and consistently consistently from night to night from exactly. plate to plate from service to service like yeah. a lot of times when I make stuff you know this one didn't taste exactly like exactly. that one and yeah. and again I'm, I'm under no time constraints no pressure right. if I tell everybody dinner's going to be an extra half hour I'm not like yeah. I don't have people walking out so right. exactly <laughs> I mean it's, it's, it's a different beast than you know cooking at grandma's house during right. during Christmas time as opposed to cooking for you know, 200 people a night. And now tell me a little bit about Five Bad Hens. So it started out, I kind of just wanted to get out on my own. Yeah. Know, first of all, it started out, I was going to do on, you know, do the whole beach crowd and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, go from there because I really didn't know what I was getting into. And uh, it, it evolved tremendously throughout the summer. I kind of learned what people were looking for, what I could do because I was kind of limited on what I, what I could cook, all the refrigeration, well, so just to just to give people some some context, so your your operation is super bootstrapped. Oh yeah, right. You show up in the van. You got the trailer on the back. Yeah. We got grill, griddle top, canopy tent. Yeah. All your cold stuffs and coolers. Yeah. I mean, you're like you're showing up with a lot of stuff prepped and ready to go, and you're basically setting up shop. You're cooking on the fly. Yeah. So it, I mean, things are you're not pre packaging pre-doing oh no everything's done fresh everything's exactly. cooked right on site hot co- and you're mobile so i mean exactly. you're you're bopping around different parts of town you know yeah. you came out to the rockport rugged race last year you yeah. did that as a sponsor um you had set up at starlight beach you had set up at michikiwis and we're just like working around the town yeah went to the military base for that's right month. yeah yeah that when was, they had uh, the trainings out there busy so learning what i could what is what i was able to do with the space i was allowed um, kind of evolved throughout the summer, um, and and it was it was exciting to see where I started from and where I finished. It was it was pretty uh, pretty big difference. Tell us about some of your favorite menu items at Five Band Hens and what inspired those. Because so, so I mean, just from my uneducated take, it's. Uh, God, I don't even know how to describe it, and I mean, I'm I, clearly this is not an environment that I I know the the lingo in, but it's it's like perfect, like beach food to go food, comforting food, but all of it is done at such a high level right. and such a high scale, in my opinion. Um, well, thank you. Your ingredients are spectacular. There's some creativity in there, but they're you know it, it's nothing that. Your average person's not going to look at it and go, I don't know what that is. Yeah. But you do something to it or you add something or there's something a little bit different. It's like, you know, I, I've seen this thing before. I've just never quite seen it like that. And mm-hmm. it's delicious. Yeah. I mean, what I try to do is I try to take something that everyone's had before and make it into something unique. I try to use very local ingredients, very fresh ingredients. I try not to do anything crazy to them. Um, you know, I don't want to make it sound so complicated that it's off-putting almost, you know. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. It, it, anyone can make it. Um, you know, a few of my favorite dishes, obviously the crab cakes are always good. Those are dope. Those are good. I, I uh, <laughs> you know, learned that from, uh, you know, all my different places of working. And uh, it evolved into... Um, what I was doing at the Five Bad Hens. Another one was... The and smoke. I like... I'm sorry to cut you off. I really like those because there's a nice, like... 
texture contrast to yes. them. Like your average, I don't want to say your average, but a lot of ones that I've had in the past are very like cakey. Yeah, like they're very dense. They're very dense. And these yeah. were like, there's this nice kind of like supple, almost creamy inner. Exactly. With a really nice crust on the top and the bottom, just from when you sear them on the griddle. Like right. it's, it's, so you're getting it hot. There's this nice contrast to it. I like that little bark on there. I mean, yeah. they're just, they're really good. Right. Um, a lot of that comes from, I mix it. I don't just put eggs and breadcrumb like you would normally put in there. Okay. It's a little bit of mayonnaise, a little bit of mustard, um, you know, different seasonings. And it makes it creamier, creamier. Yes. Where it's not so dense. You're not feeling like you're eating, you know, something really, I know what you're saying. really heavy, you know. Like a loaf of bread with crab in it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, another one, I, I did shrimp tacos, I did smoked whitefish tacos. Those were really you know, great. Those um, were big, big a lot favorites. Of those, yeah, a lot of those things are things that I've never done before, necessarily, but, um, you know, I remember using strawberries when they were in season. Right. Peaches, um, different things like that. And you, you have the grill, you can grill them. You, can, you don't have to just open up a can of peaches right. and uh, dice up an onion or something. I mean, there's... So many different ingredients that give you unique flavors that are out there at your disposal. I mean, it's just kind of learning what they are and knowing how to use them is kind of the key. So that's actually a big reason that I want to chat with you today. So we've talked in a past episode with Melissa, registered dietitian, and in that episode, you know, we, we talked about like from the performance locker standpoint, what we feel is, is really key to nutrition. And I mean, just to kind of, you know, recap and summarize for people who maybe didn't listen to that episode yet, you know, I, I, I think the misconception is that a lot of people out there think nutrition is more about information. And I'm not saying that that's not the case, but this kind of idea of educating people as to this is good food, this is bad food, stop eating these things, start eating these things. I think we're past that. I really do. Like when you run into people who are having trouble with their nutrition, having trouble getting control of it um, from a health, from a wellness standpoint, they all know the good food choices versus the bad food choices. I mean, maybe there's a couple that they're like, oh, I didn't realize that that wasn't as good for me as I thought. But the big ones, like we kind of know. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we have these conversations. We see more and more that people are focusing on whole foods and and. and having their diet come from whole fresh things and not processed things. Right. And I would agree, again, as a non-educated expert in the, in the nutrition department, that if people made that one change, that would be massive for a mm-hmm. lot of people. Stop eating stuff in wrappers and crinkly stuff and pre-made stuff Lots and start of, eating yeah. fresh stuff. Exactly. But with the fresh stuff can come some fear, some apprehension, and some roadblocks. And I think some of those are in the kitchen. So if you're that person who's never felt comfortable cooking, doesn't think you can cook, doesn't like being in the kitchen, looks at it as a chore, that's pretty daunting. That's hard to, to, to you know, take, take advantage of this more whole food lifestyle because that means you're buying stuff that you don't know. You're prepping stuff that you've never prepped. You're trying to learn to cut up things. You're trying to learn to process things. How do I do this, that, and the other thing? And, you know, there's only so many really amazing dishes you can do in the crock pot. After a while, like, we need to, right. we need to open up the kimono a little bit and, like, yeah. start to go into some different areas. Yeah. Um, or, you know, like I used to always do is, like, you'd get the crock pot soup and everything in there is, like, soggy and mushy and, right. like, there's no, like, there's no contrast of texture and right. there's nothing, like, that really helps bring the dish together. Sure. And so I wanted to sit down with you and talk yeah. about... There's a few key areas, a few key things. So 
I want to talk about some different ingredients, some prep work. I want to like just kind of pick your brain a little bit, you know, from someone who has a lot of training, a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience in a number of different restaurants doing his own thing. You've not only gone through the culinary aspect, like you've been in practice for this for a long, long, long time. You've worked with a number of different people in a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe trying to extract some of those little nuggets that the rest of us can kind of take home. And, and whether it's helping someone who isn't comfortable in the kitchen start to dip their toes into those waters and what are some of those big starting steps or for people who are already there like how can we start to elevate some of our dishes how can we start to to create a little bit more enthusiasm around cooking because of there's that it can be a wonderful creative endeavor and outlet absolutely but on the same token if i've never picked up a paintbrush or if i don't know colors and what goes with what like painting's not fun Right. You know, once I learn some of those basics, like yeah. all of a sudden it's like, okay, I can create something now and there's some enjoyment to that. Yeah, you, you hit on something. It's just the basics. I mean, when I was first starting, like I said, I didn't know how to cook chicken. Right. How do you know when it's done, right? You got to cut it open. Or it's not even close <laughs> or it's way overdone. You know, learning that stuff is, to me, the hardest part. After okay. that, I mean, there's so many things out there now. We have... You know, everyone's got their iPhones out, and you can YouTube anything. Right. Right. I mean... Which is a huge cooking, benefit. Cooking has never been... Um, more accessible. More accessible. I agree and, with you. And kind of easy to learn. Um, you, you just got to take the time to organize in what you want to, you know, what you want to make. Um, kind of look it up, learn how to cook different items, know different techniques. You know, you, nutrition doesn't mean it has to be bland. You know, you don't exactly. have to... I think just that's raw green right. beans or a slice of tomato or, you know, who knows what it is. It doesn't, you can have a lot of flavor too. And so knowing how to combine different spices with flavors and textures, you know, is, is what it's all about. Let's start with this. Five biggest mistakes. And I'm putting you on the spot here. Oh gosh. Five biggest mistakes. It could be three. It could be, let's just use five as a bit of a benchmark, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what are the biggest mistakes I shouldn't have put a number on that. There's too much pressure. No. What are the biggest mistakes <laughs> <laughs> that your average home cook makes? So you go in, you're evaluating their cooking, their kitchen. Right. What are some of the biggest things right away that you're like, like culinary school 101, what are some of the things that you in your world are very basic, but to us can be sometimes mind blowing? Using a knife, <laughs> learning how to chop things, you know, um, where you don't cut your, cut your fingers off. Um, I mean, just something simple, like learning how to cut an onion. Okay. You know, cutting a carrot so the pieces aren't too big, you know, in a, in a soup or stuff like that. I mean, that, that's, that's a little thing, but it, it makes so a difference. basic dip. knife skills. Basic knife skills. Another one is using your stove, okay, meaning the temperature, what you set your, your saute pan or your, your boiling water or what temperature do I set an oven. You know, all those things are very important. Um, you know, you'll see everyone that they'll, they'll use their saute pan, they'll have their onions chopped or something, they'll put it into a cold pan, and then all the onions, all the juice will come out of the onions, and pretty much they're just stewing in their own juice, right. and then and they're not getting any flavor, it's just kind of becoming mushy, Okay. you know, stuff like that. I want to come back, so I'm going to come back to some of these and unpack them a little bit more. What else? Uh, oh, gosh. So knife skills, big one. Knife skills, I mean. Using your uh, stove, heats, techniques. Oh, geez. Put me on the spot here. Um, <laughs> just learning the correct ingredients. Okay, for instance, if you want to make a salad, 
okay. Everyone will just throw ranch on it. They'll just right. go and buy ranch. Right. They'll go and buy, you know, pre-made everything. And then their salad kind of gets, you know, unnutritious because they're putting a bunch of processed stuff or on it. Or it's not a salad. It's ranch dressing with a couple of leaves exactly. in it. Exactly. So, I mean, learning, learning, I guess, learning different techniques using a blender, making a vinaigrette, um, you know, blanching vegetables instead of just boiling the heck out of them for two hours. You know, I've, I've had asparagus where, you know, you just cook it for 20 minutes and it's mush. Right. right. Learning to do that stuff um, is important because the texture of your food is, you don't want to eat something that's either underdone or way overdone. Right. It's got to be, you know, the right balance. Let's go back so. to knife skills for a second. I think that's a wonderful list and I kind of want to unpack these if that's cool with you. Mm -hmm. So going back to knife skills, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, just again, I know I've already said this a couple times, but just so there's no confusion at home, mm -hmm. like anything I'm interjecting is completely on the anecdotal, very, very amateur, very like chef wannabe end. Mm -hmm. So just so that's very clear as we <laughs> move forward. But um, I can just say from, you know, personally learning some very, very basic knife skills. And I'm not talking rocket science. Like, and, yeah. and literally these were learned by going to YouTube and typing in how to chop onion. Oh, yeah. And you're like, oh, that's how you do it. What that did for me was all of a sudden all these fresh ingredients that were a pain in the ass are now accessible. Oh, yeah. I can't tell you the last time I used powdered garlic because I'm like, why would I use powdered garlic? Right. Because I can chop like a dozen cloves exactly. in 60 seconds. It's yeah. not a big deal. Right. So it's cheaper, it's better, it's longer. Like, it's a night. But the thing that unlocked that was learning how to cut them. Exactly. Herbs are another huge one. It's yeah. like, why would Both. I use dried herbs when, like, yeah. just learning how to chop some fresh yeah. herbs made There's a huge difference. so much more flavor when you're using stuff. Like, oh, it's night and day. You know, right, really fresh, right out of the garden, you know, if, if you have a garden. But, um, you know, it's so much better. I mean, ever had a, a pineapple fresh... You know, as as opposed to just in a can with a bunch of sugar in it, right. you know, peaches. I mean, until you've had it fresh, you have no idea what it tastes like. I mean, you really, when it's in season, you know, um, it's just so much different, so much better. It's not what you think. You don't need to eat a tomato in wintertime. That's not what a tomato is supposed to be. That's a good you point. Know? Um, That's a good there's point. so much better quality out there that we can be getting and using rather than just easy out of a can, out of a box. And listen, that yeah. has its place. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Oh, like don't every get me wrong. Now, I've done it. You know, you we know, all have. If we, have if we get good tomatoes from the garden and if I can can a bunch of them, like, of course, that's my go-to during the yeah. winter months for chilies and soups and sauces and things of that yeah. nature. But if not, I mean, I always keep a handful of extra cans in there because yeah. there's that day it's like, oh, I'm running behind and this, oh, that, and the sure. other thing. And, for you sure. know, canning takes a little bit of work. But... Yeah. So, I, yeah, I agree with you. And I think, I think one of the important parts about that is that if we put ourselves in a position that we're experimenting and trying some of these fresher ingredients, all of a sudden the work to prep them, it's, it's, not, a, it's not as much work because there's right. a value to it. Exactly. If I've never had fresh cilantro, then well, like, why would I go through all that work when I can get the dried stuff and yeah. just sprinkle it on, I'm good to go. But once I've tasted it and yeah. noticed the difference, it's like, okay, that's worth a little bit of effort. Yeah. And then if I take that a step further and just pay attention to some very, very basic knife skills, 
then all of a sudden it's not such a daunting task to put fresh things on. I think that what that does in terms of elevating your dishes is just exactly. monumental. Exactly. It makes you want to try new things more. It gets you inspired. That's a good point. You know, if you got little kids at home, learning, teaching them how to cook is exciting for them. It could be exciting for you. You can try new things together. You know, I, I remember what I used to eat when I was younger and it was, I was very picky. Yeah. You know, and as I kind of learned different techniques and learned new ideas from cooking, I try new things and I learned that I, I like pretty much anything. <laughs> you know? um, so it, it's, it's, it just takes time, planning, you know. I think you hit on bit, something. Little, it's a little bit of work. Yes. But I mean, if you really want to and you're really, you know, into the nutrition part of it and what it can do for you rather than just getting a candy bar and going somewhere and, you know, eating that. I mean, you're going to feel so much better. Uh, agreed. So much better. And I think you hit on something else that we often forget about is the kitchen is a wonderful place of family and community. Absolutely. And it's an active... I can't back this up, so I could be pulling this out of my ass. So forgive me if that's the case. But um, I remember my wife loves design shows and, mm -hmm. you know, HGTV and things of that nature. And I think the two rooms that you spend the most time in in your house throughout your entire lifetime are your kitchen and your bedroom. Absolutely. Your bedroom mainly because you're sleeping, so right. you're in there a third of every day. But and next to that, it's, it's the kitchen, Definitely. which makes perfect sense. Yeah. So if you're... And I think that can be a wonderful and enjoyable place. Like you talk about cooking with your kids and mm -hmm. you know we try and cook with our kids and it can be a place where it, it's not me in there slaving over a stove and my kids are out watching tv like mm -hmm. it's time we can spend together definitely and then when friends are over you can prepare meals together or even if you're just preparing you know meals for people there's a sense of community to that and there it can be an incredibly enjoying enjoyable and rewarding experience but i think a lot of us have almost got to this point where we look at the kitchen as a place of work, a place of chore. Sure. Whereas I think it can very easily be a place of enjoyment. Now that's yeah. going to take a little bit of a paradigm shift, but it, it at its best, it's, it's one of the, the favorite rooms in the house to yeah. spend in. And, yeah. and you know, for me, like, especially as someone who likes to eat, <laughs> yeah. you know, the joy of doing all this and spending the time in there is at the end of it, you're rewarded with something spectacular on your plate. Exactly. So it's not like, so if I put a new roof on my house, and I mean, I know that's not the same thing, you know, at the end, it's like, yes, I have a new roof and it doesn't leak. Yay. So, you know, it's not the same. Yeah. It, it's not the same as like... You know, every time I pull up into my house and I see my new roof, I'm just like, oh, good, it's not leaking. Right. It, it's, I just want it to work. I just want it to do its thing. Right. Whereas, you know, when you – if it's – like this weekend, it's supposed to be minus 12. Yeah. There's a strong possibility we're going to spend Sunday cooking something, exactly. something that would take a while because yeah. at the end of the day, you have something to enjoy. Yeah. And you're sitting down with family and – going back to the knives really, really quick. I think yeah. another thing that maybe intimidates people is, you know, anytime someone tries to sell you knives – it's a it, it's this butcher block full of a hundred different blades. Sure. Yeah. Talking to some people like yourself, <laughs> I've started to learn like that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Like, what would you consider are your your go tos? Like, so in your home kitchen, you need to have these basic things, and you can do most of your stuff with them. Well, I mean, the chef knife, obviously, for chopping. You do stuff like that. Um, you know, big one. 
paring knives, mm-hmm. something small, mm-hmm. a potato peeler, mm-hmm. you know, vegetable peeler, stuff like that. I mean, you don't need much more than that. If you're out filleting fish, you can get a fillet knife or something like that. Um, but for but the most worst part, case, you could still you do some of those things with the chef knife. The other knives. Yeah. Get a, get a big one, they'll get, get a small they'll one. They'll get the job done. Yeah, exactly. And that's really all you need. All the other ones are kind of... You know, for show, and there's like certain there's certain applications that yeah, certain applications, but not many. Yeah, okay. um, I just I, a sharp knife. That's really all you need. That I mean, everyone thinks that a sharp knife you're gonna cut yourself worse. It's not the case. If you have a dull knife, you will cut yourself way more, and it'll be a worse cut. I know we're starting to get into the weeds in terms of like tools and yeah. and expense and things of that nature, but do you believe that a good knife? Makes the time in the kitchen more enjoyable. Yeah, sure, absolutely. I, 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 would, I feel like if anybody's ever painted and they've used the shitty paintbrushes right. that you get for fifty cents <laughs> exactly. versus like a nice ten dollar paintbrush, yeah. like the level of extra work that you have to put in with the crappy paintbrush, mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing. Now, I'm not saying you got to <coughs> go out and buy like a thousand dollar set of knives, but yeah. I do think it, that well, exactly. Again, you can sharpen. A crappy knife. Right. It's a good know, point. You just got to keep it up. Um, don't let it get dull. There's different ways of doing it. Use the, the honer. Yep. All right. You have that in the kitchen. You don't know what it's for. But I'm but, fascinated. Um, like people in your craft, how much focus and emphasis is put on your tools. Sure. And it makes well, perfect sense. If I'm a carpenter, I don't use really crappy hammers. Exactly. You know, I don't use any of that. Um, and I think maybe what people miss sometimes is they're like, oh, that's hard. Well, look at the tools you're using. Sure. I mean, yeah. even if you're not going out and investing in new knives, which is completely fine, to your point, mm-hmm. just take care of the ones you got. Exactly. Put a good edge on it. Keep it sharp. You know, weed, I, I put a quick hone on all blades before they get used and after they get used. Yeah. So when they're in the drawer and I need to grab them, I'm out, I'm ready to go. Yep. And I think that's massively important. Exactly. Um, and then as, as you said, like if you're looking for basic knife skills, go to the YouTube. What are the things that you find yourself cutting most? Like, so what are the big things that like, if people are going to start, like learn how to cut these things and you're going to be off and running? An onion every time. Okay. Learn, if you know how to cut an onion, you know, in the correct way where you're not just cutting a whole big onion and like, you know, mincing it, a whole big pile <laughs> of it, you know, going back and chopping it for 20 minutes, you know, parsley, again, herbs, um, learning that, you know. A little trick. Um, what do you say for the people who are listening? And I know I'm jumping ahead kind of to ingredients who are like, well, I don't like onions. Yeah. You want How many times have you eaten something and you go back and you're like, oh, that was in there? You, right. It's, it's a blend of flavors. Okay. You're not, it's not just a big bowl of onions you're eating. It's, right. it's, you need aromatics. You need different flavors going on that complement each other. Right. Um, different textures. That all plays a huge part. You don't want something that's soft or just some things that are all hard. And so you're saying onions are just a beautiful it's base. Just, it's just perfect because, for one, a really good onion is great for you, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Um, but it also, it's when, it's, when you take food and you put heat to it, you, you bring out the natural sugar, okay? Everything has sugar in it, mm-hmm. natural sugar. You don't need to you know, add four tablespoons of sugar to your onions to make them caramelize yes they'll okay. do it themselves that maybe this is one of the techniques when when we were talking about earlier okay when you're cooking a bunch of onions you don't want to just crank the thing up full blast mm-hmm. you'll end up with black onions right you want it, it's low 
slow. It takes a little bit of time. It okay. takes a little bit of effort, you know, to get them nice and soft and caramelized and completely different flavor. Okay. And garlic, same thing. You're not just going to eat a chunk of raw garlic. That's right. not very good. Right. But when you take the time to roast it in an oven for two or three hours, it's a completely different product. Completely different item. You can do, you know, hundreds of different things with it. So. I agree with you too. Like for stuff like that, that might sound daunting. Yeah. Someone going like, I don't have two or three hours to roast yeah. garlic. It, all, it doesn't take any time. Yeah. It just takes a little bit of forethought. Yeah. A little it's bit just of planning. The, that's it. Yep. It's just okay. I know I'm making this thing later or tomorrow yep. or this weekend. Yep. Here's my ingredients that take a minute. I just want to have those on hand. Yep. So like whenever we make stock, it, it's often that same thought process exactly. like I want to make this soup or this stew on Sunday so I'd like to have some stock ready well yeah. I'm home Saturday morning which means I can chuck it on the burner Friday night exactly and finish it up Saturday morning we're done so yeah. it's not like I'm sitting there all day going when's that going to be done right. it just, it, yeah. but you're right it takes just a little bit of planning a yeah. little bit of forethought and yeah. well just like doing a crock pot you put it in in the morning right by the time you get home you know, it's the same thing. If you're going to run out and do an errand for an hour or two, have something in the oven, slow roasting, yeah. or um, different things like that. If you're going to make a little batch of sauce, make a big batch and freeze it. You know, stuff like that. Um, you know, it goes a long way. It saves you time later on. That's true. You know, going to the store once and planning four days of meals. You know, knowing how to use leftovers. So you're not eating the same things over and over and over. Right? What would you say for that person that's like, and again, I know I'm kind of getting off your list here a little bit, but you know, for the person that that sounds very daunting to that whole idea of like, oh my gosh, going to the store and planning for four days, yeah. what's a good step into that or good entryway into that? Would you say just start with a meal, like plan and execute a meal just to build some confidence? Or definitely, um, you know, knowing, you know, having three kids of my own and not a lot of time. Again, it's. Um, you don't want to go to the store every single day. Right. Okay. So maybe you want to do a big roast that you can eat for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that, but it doesn't have to be the same thing. You can maybe make soup out of it. Right. You can maybe make pot pie out of it. But, uh, you know, again, kind of looking, we have Pinterest. That's a huge thing. Learning, that's learning true. different ideas like that. Um, you know, Google some uh, ingredients and find out what ideas there are. You know, find out what your kids like, what um, you like, and just try to go from there. And, and as you do it more often, you'll get more of the hang of it. You'll know exactly, you know, what you're wanting to do. And you do you just feel, grow from too, like for you in your home kitchen, and then I don't mean just as a classically trained chef, but for other people, the more you start to dabble in this the more prepped your pantry becomes, exactly. the less prep time is required. Because yeah. that way, like I know for me, you know, the first couple of times I'd run across an ingredient and I'm like, well, what is that? And then I'd have to figure out what it is and go get it. Well, now it's at the house. Yeah. So now next time I come across it, it's like, oh, it's there. So mm -hmm. I find over the years, it's been a little bit easier to plan because the only things that I'm really going are for fresh ingredients. Yeah. I have a lot of the staples. I try and keep them. Like if I'm low on something and if I see it, I'll try and put it on the list so I have a backup for, for next time. But then in that case, like I'm just having to go after the fresh stuff. And mm -hmm. then to your point, if you're looking more at seasonal, you know, certain ingredients, certain flavors, certain dishes for certain times of year, 
the seasonal becomes kind of easy because yeah. it's like I can go into Neiman's without much of a plan yeah. and I just say, well, it's summertime. So I, I want squashes. Um, maybe we'll go light on some of the, the you know, zucchinis, fruits, yeah. greens, lots of salads, things of that nature. It just fits the season. Yeah. So I'll just kind of do the smorgasbord of stuff and then kind of figure out from there, like, where we can put it into. But exactly. it takes a little bit of work to get there, but I feel like prep has gotten so much easier. Yeah. Just by kind of dabbling and just exactly. building a little bit better pantry, if you will. Yep. Getting the confidence, um, knowing, you know, in what dishes you can use certain ingredients. Right. You know, if you want to buy a huge onion, but you only need a little bit for this one thing, how can you use it in something else? Gotcha. You know, buying green onions, okay, what can you use it in? Different, different things, same thing. Big, you know, cilantro or just... The more you do it, it's just like anything else. The more you do it, the more comfortable you are, the more confident you become. You know, cooking is is not, it's very, like you said, daunting. But um, yeah, it doesn't have to be. It's just food. Right. You know, and if we just use good food, you know, it, it doesn't, there's no one way of doing it. There's so I, many different ways. I agree I mean, with you. That's the fun part for me is you can create so many different things all the time. There's right. so many things you can learn about food it doesn't have to be just one way but the thing that i notice with a lot of people like you is that the focus is on ingredients yeah. and not necessarily complexity yeah like everybody exactly. who i know that makes really good food yeah. is like i pick really good ingredients yeah. and i let them shine yeah. i don't have to do a bunch of stuff to it yeah. i just let them be and then you can play with pairings and combinations exactly. but it's it's almost comforting to see that even performing at the level that you do it's it's simplicity. Oh. It's it's taking a very simple approach. Like you're not doing like classic French cuisine. No, not that you couldn't. I know you <laughs> yeah. can. Yeah. But you know, I th I think I guess my point is I think sometimes when we talk cooking, this is the image we have in our head. Sure. Is the places like what an Eleven Madison? You know where you have the eleven course tasting menu yeah. and it's a whole bunch of stuff you've never heard of and can't pronounce and it's on a plate that looks like a piece of art and yeah. you're like where do the, where where do I buy a truffle? Like where do these things come from? <laughs> right. But I think the majority of the industry and the majority of you know us could do really well with just simple. Yeah. And just base like understand your ingredients, get good ingredients, and just kind of yeah. let them shine. Really, I mean, the best dishes you can ever make are the easiest. The easiest roasting a chicken in the oven, right? Maybe putting some fresh herbs under the skin or something. Right. You know, putting a lemon in the cavity where it, you know, air aromatizes, or if that's even a word. Uh, the whole. I don't know. Dish, we should trademark it. Well, I think we should. That's dope. Aromatizer. <laughs> Aromatizing, <laughs> Ben the aromatizer. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> You know, just different things like that. Making something easy, mm -hmm. adding two or three ingredients, it's it's amazing. Now, now it's just not so bland. I think this yeah, will segue into your next little bit. The next one you're talking about is kind of stove usage and understanding, mm -hmm. which I think, you know, techniques and heat Definitely. and applying and things of that Definitely. nature. But like something you just mentioned with the chicken, and someone put this in a way that I really liked it and made sense to me is they say building flavor. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like you don't just start Definitely. with a thing and throw it in a pot. Yeah. How can I build a flavor profile and where can I add flavor along the way? Right. Adding butter to a pan, adding <laughs> oil to the pan, adding salt, brining, marinating, like yeah. adding herbs, roast. Like these are all just adding flavor. They're yeah. little places that I can infuse that. 
And the thing that was helpful for me about that was they talked about like, it was just a different mindset. It's like, how do we add flavor throughout the cooking process sure. instead of just getting to the end and throwing a bunch of salt on it? Right. Because it doesn't have time to really do its thing. Exactly. So how can I kind of build that through? So talking stove. Because that can be a world that can be pretty daunting. It's like, mm -hmm. so now I got this thing, oh, yeah. and I have a metal thing, yeah. and I have a hot thing. Yeah. How do I put them together? Right. And I'm trying to think of the best way to simplify this a little bit. Like, let's, let's start with chicken, because you were just talking there. So kind of off the cuff, on the stove, how many different ways could you prepare that chicken? You could... Roast it. Okay, so you and could, roasting would be defined as roasting would be a an oven yep. essentially. Um, what do you call that? Heat that's not not di indirect heat. Indirect okay. dry heat. Dry heat. Okay. Um, your saute pan would be direct heat, obviously. Now, when so people like roasting, does that uh, does that designate a temperature range? Not no, just so you could roast at any temperature. You could so roast like if technically if you're smoking a chicken, that's roasting, ish. Or is it because that's a moist environment or because of the smoke? Like Technically it is. It's just you're just adding smoke to it. Okay. You're adding wood. Okay. Right? Okay. You're still roasting it. Are there... You know, well, technically, I guess it'd be a grill. But if you're adding... If you have a you know, smoker for your oven... Yeah. I've seen those. Okay. You know, it's... It's just a... It's indirect heat. You're not adding... You're not putting it directly on heat. Okay. For a chicken, if you're roasting it, are there times that you would go low temperatures for a long period of time? And there's times that you'd go yeah. for high temperatures for a short period of time. And what right. would be the advantages? So when you cook something for a long period of time, you want it obviously a little lower. It's, it's your tougher cuts of meat. You got to roast. Okay. You have, you, you have a, an item that you, you want to break it down. It's not naturally tender. I know what you're saying. Right? You got a pork roast, you got a beef roast, stuff that's got a so lot of So these are not things that we're eating rare, medium rare. Exactly. They need time to break. Yeah, you're not eating a steak. Okay. Okay. Um, those are the things you want to cook longer for lower because what it does, it, it breaks down the muscles. Okay. Okay. It breaks down the fat that's in there. So a and chicken, not so chicken, much on that side. Well, usually the things you want to roast are... are you want to roast low and slower the things that have a lot of fat in it. Chicken does not have a lot of fat in Beef it. Beef and pork. It's very lean. Yeah. Okay. Very lean. So you want to cook that um, as quick as you can without drying it out. Okay. Okay. So that's the way you'd want to cook it, you know, at 375, 400 degrees. Right now, when you're roasting, it. skin on, skin off, where do you Always sit? Always skin on, bone in. And why is that? Well, the bone keeps it juicy. Mm, okay. okay. Um, when you have the skin on it, okay. If, if you have the time to, to do it, have a boneless, skinless chicken breast. Yep. Throw it in the oven. Yep. And throw a bone or a bone in, skin on chicken breast in the oven. One might take 15 minutes longer. Okay. But it's going to be tremendously different. Tremendously Which different. Which is so it funny. Is so much more flavor. <laughs> imagine, if you, imagine if you wrap a piece of chicken in bacon. Yeah. Okay. That's what you're getting. You're getting all that juice and flavor and fat well i think we've gotten so afraid of like quote unquote unhealthy so like everybody's going boneless skinless chicken breast oh, because they think it's unhealthy they think it's healthier when in reality it's not even close i mean every part of the of the animal is good for you if you know how to use it right correctly and and okay. to your point if, i think the fats that people really need to be afraid yeah. about again uneducated <laughs> 
that. Is yeah. it's the process stuff. Exactly. Like when you start looking at what the body does with these natural animal fats, yeah. even the saturated ones, yes. like we were built to run on this stuff. Exactly. Like it's in our our engineering. Yeah. It's the other stuff that our body is like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. And that's where it starts to freak out because well, these are not natural things. And you see it on TV, you know, TV commercials, oh my gosh, it's you know, don't eat bacon fat. Don't eat bacon. It's not good for you. Don't, you know, my gosh, we can probably live off bacon. Right. You know, it's, if you get a really healthy pig that roams in the sunlight for 20 hours a day and eats the right, you know, food that it's supposed to eat, that's the healthiest fat you can get right there. And you nailed it, <laughs> is that, you know, one thing that I, I have come across is that <clears throat> when you pump a bunch of garbage into animals. Yeah. Just like if you were going to do something to humans, yeah. it gets stored in fat tissue yeah. more readily available than it does in muscular tissue. Sure. So if you take a fatty animal like a pig, it yeah. just has more capability to store all the garbage. Sure. Ergo, a lot of this pork that you're getting from the stores is no bueno. Yeah. Whereas, you know, especially in an area like this, you know, with so many farmers present and... There's so many options. There's so many options. So many. So many options. You and can, it's, You can get anything. You can get chickens. You can get beef. Pigs, you can get buffalo, lamb, all right here in Alpena. And I in think the area, in an area like this too, we have a big enough hunter population in this area. And I know that there's a lot of people that have no problem gutting a deer. Mm-hmm. It's okay to take that a step further and learn how to butcher your own cuts. Sure, You can buy a pork shoulder and there's so many stuff. There's so much you can do with just that yeah. thing. And when you buy the whole shoulder, it's so cheap. Yeah. It's so inexpensive. So like when and, – and nothing against them, but everybody in the area probably knows Plast Meats. Yeah. And they make amazing pork products. Yeah. They're, they're spectacular. They're based out of Roger City. I remember hearing about them before I even moved up here. But their bacon's what? 10 bucks a pound? Um, Ish? If you get it in, the store, in their store, it's a lot more. If you get it on their truck – you know, if you get a delivery from their truck, it's, it's, oh geez, I'd have to go, probably six bucks a pound. So it's okay. still, that's so pricey. If I make my own bacon, if I go buy a pork belly and yeah. do my own, which is not a hard process and yeah. you don't even have to have a smoker. Yeah. I think I priced it at $3 a pound. Yeah. For, in my opinion, a product that's on par. Oh, now yeah. I'm not saying I can make bacon better than Plast. That's right. not the case, but I feel yeah. like it's not like, yeah. it's on, it's better than what I'm getting in the grocery store yeah. for a considerable more exactly. amount of money. I mean, the way I look at it, so say you go to the grocery store and you see a pork shoulder for two fifty a pound, but it's on sale. Yeah. You're going to be going, oh, I'll buy that. Yeah. Okay. Probably not the healthiest animal you're ever going to get. Right. Right? But if you can get one that's raised the right way and you might go, oh, it's $4 a pound. Oh, geez, that's, I can get one that's sort of cheaper. Yeah, but still, well, it's man, I tell you, it's so much better for you. You start eating the correct food, you know, the... It, to me, food has everything you need. It has all the medicine that you need to... It's a valid point. To, uh, you know, and again, I'm not a nutritionist or anything like that. No, but I think I, it's I, a pretty common-sensible yeah, approach. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, if, if you have the right ingredients, that has everything you need to survive, I guess. Right. Okay. You don't have to go to the store to get medicine if you have, you know, a little bit of a headache or something and all this. I mean, mostly food is, to me... The reason that we're not feeling good, a lot of the times. I would agree with that. I mean, a lot of the a lot thing. of the sugars that we're eating, a lot of, um, just the processed food. It's doing nothing for us. 
you know, um, you know, when I, when I, my kids get a cold, I, I try, there's time to give them Tylenol, but there's mm -hmm. also time here. Here's an orange. Right. My gosh, here's an orange. Here's some, you know, fresh squeezed lemonade or something, a glass of water instead of a box of juice. Right. You know, processed juice or it's just little things like that. That, that go a long way. And then I love that, like, in our current culture, especially kind of in the fitness world, like something that's been big the last few years are these cleanses. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, here's an idea. Instead of, like, doing a cleanse, like, just stop eating shit. Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> like, much. your body has this unbelievable ability to buffer and to clean itself you out. It yourself. is a self-healing, self-cleaning entity. Yeah. Yeah. So as long as you stop pumping garbage in, it yeah. will clean itself out. Like yeah. you don't have to do anything drastic. Just sure. stop putting bad stuff in yeah. and it will take care of it. It's, it's kind of amazing. I mean, anything processed, they're, they're, they're taking out flavor and adding it with either really unhealthy oil or a lot of sugar or both. Okay. Um, you know, your body is, I don't even know how to, go about it but essentially what you need to look at is your ph level mm -hmm. it's just like any food your, your body has a ph okay and when you go too acidic or too alkaline that's when your body starts getting a little bit unhealthy and uh and out of whack and that's when you see different ailments you got cancers you got autoimmune diseases you've got all these different things and that can be you know kind of not completely healed, but I mean, if we start before it gets that bad, it's it's the food. It's the food we're eating. You can use you know? to bring it back into bring balance. it back. I mean, your body is just out of balance yeah. a lot of times. Right. You know, when you, you wake up with no energy, right? You know, sleeping a little bit longer. So right. I mean, find it. Stop eating so much sugar. Right. Right. Eating fresh ingredients, fresh vegetables. Right. It, it goes a long way. You'll notice. You'll you'll have more energy. You won't need your 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 energy bars or. But as your, you said earlier, those vegetables can taste good. Your vegetables, <laughs> the reason they seem like there's no flavors because we're used to eating things that have so much sugar. Uh, you know. Okay. When you eat a grape, and it's it doesn't taste sweet. Yeah. Your body, you know, probably because you're tasting so much sugar elsewhere. Interesting. That that would make sense. Yeah. You almost get desensitized exactly. to that if, level. If, if you get to the point where you're eating broccoli, just raw broccoli or cauliflower, carrots. A grape might seem really sweet to you. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. pineapple. Man, this is really sweet. Yeah. Man, this is a good batch. Yeah. You know, no, That's, it's just yeah. you're not you're just not used to the the sweet that you're getting and everything. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. So, kind of touching on that, back to some of the technique stuff. So, how does someone start to navigate this world? Um, and and I really love what you said about the meat, and that was something that was really helpful for me. Is there was uh, there was another thing I was listening to and. They were talking to uh, uh, someone who's got a couple cookbooks and they're like, the biggest mistake most people make with meats is they overcook the tender stuff and they undercook the tough stuff. Right. And when I started thinking about it, I'm like, yes, yeah. that's about right. Right? Like they, they, dry, <laughs> they dry out the lean meat yep. and they undercook the, the tough meat, which means it's really tough. It's not, not as tender. It's yep. not as, you know. Yeah. If you perfectly cook a pork roast, you, you almost don't even need to trim it. Or, or take out all the fat that's in there. It's just creamy, you know. Right. You know, it's not big chunks of fat in it. Right. Um, it's all the flavor is in there. And I think, you know, you if know. people start going to butcher shops more or yeah. even grocery stores, especially local ones with yes. good butcher. Like we have yes. a couple in town here Absolutely. that have wonderful butcher counters yeah. with awesome people working there. Yeah. 
like ask questions. They will help you navigate this. Yeah. If you see something in the counter that you don't know what it is, like ask. And how should I prepare that and different exactly. things? But so kind of back to that in terms of meat, vegetables, like all this fun stuff. When we're talking about using our stove properly, applying heat, when to put things in a cold pan, when to put things in a hot pan. Yeah. How does someone start to navigate this world a little bit? What if it's just learning? Okay, so when I was younger, I watched Emeril Lagasse. Yes. And his big thing, I, uh, and maybe this stuck with me for whatever reason. Okay, he had his Emeril Live show. Yes. Okay, he was cooking in front of the crowd uh-huh. and all that. And he'd always take the, the knob off the, the stove top and he'd go, use this thing. You don't have to just crank this thing up where you're just blowing the roof off the building with all the flames and, you know, adjust it. You know, start out high, maybe turn it down, maybe turn it up a little bit. Trying to find that that zone where you're not sending off smoke alarms, right. cooking, cooking vegetables or cooking your steak or anything like that, you know. I think one thing that helped me out a lot in terms of like, it, it's not a, a catch-all in terms of technique, yeah, yeah. but just the realization that color is flavor. Yeah. So I would start to get to a point where it's like there's no color to that, so yeah. I'm probably cooking too low. You know, or the color is black, which I'm probably cooking too high. So the other thing that gives it away that it's too low is that what happens when you cook a steak mm-hmm. at low heat? Mm-hmm. All the juice will come out of it. Right? Mm. They say cook it really hot and get a nice sear. Yeah. Ever heard that? Get a nice sear on. Yeah. It. That's supposed to keep the juices in. Well, if you cook it, at, if you sear it and then turn it down, it's still gonna bring out the juices. Okay? Right. What you don't want to do is bring out all that juice because that's where your flavor is and that's where your texture and then all that is. Um, you know, you don't want it to start boiling. You know, you just want I, yeah, to sear it, right. kind of cook it fast if you have to throw it in the oven, right? But again, now I you're mean, back to I that mean, dry, indirect you know, heat so you don't have you know, to worry about it like you know. burning any one part and it's just yeah. going to cook a little bit more evenly. Yeah, just like if you're using a grill, you want to get a really hot grill but you don't want to keep it on the hot side of it because then it will burn before it's even cooked. Right. So you want to kind of move it over to a, a lower heat area, right? So it's just a balance. Just like anything, yeah. cooking, eating, you know, living in general, it's just balance, right? It's, so what I'm hearing no from you perfect, is... There's no perfect way. To start play. Just play with it. Yeah, exactly. And like it's learn. okay to you make... You screw up. And that's all right. That's, that's, you want to. That's how you learn. Yeah, right. It's just that's to kind of get in there and get your hands dirty. Yeah, and, don't be afraid of it. And you don't need to be playing with like $50 a piece ribeyes. Like, it's okay to start with some sirloins and just... That's what, that's what we eat. You know, it's, there's no reason to go and waste $15 a pound or whatever you're spending on filet mignon because it's tender. You right. can get just as tender using a sirloin steak. It's a little bit cheaper. That's a good point. You know, um... Cook a roast in the oven. What are, what are yeah, some see. either cuts of meat or ingredients that you feel are kind of like hidden secrets or little gems? Like okay. things that you guys use often that you don't feel like the rest of the population does as much? Well, I, you know, we're watching my busha cook, Polish grandma. Okay. Right? Using bacon grease. I always use it. I always save it. can use it in anything. It's because it's cold. It's amazing. <laughs> you know, that's kind of... Um, it really is though. I mean, so high smoke point, yeah, wonderful flavor. Flavor. I, like, you don't, well, then you don't have to use all your, you know, your oils that really aren't very good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, your soy soy oils and canolas and all your uh, different things like that. I mean, it's just it's it's a natural thing, right? If you have to, if you have to process it, where now it's not even anything that it was, right? It's probably not doing anything for you. 
And know. I couldn't agree with you more, but it's so weird because we have this, like, you say bacon grease and people go, oh, unhealthy. you say canola oil and they're like, oh, oh that sounds good. Oh, that's, like, yeah. like this thing yeah. was made in this weird laboratory. Yeah. This thing exists as it's always existed yeah. for hundreds of years. Yeah. And we've used lard in cooking since... Crisco is another one. Oh my goodness. It's, it's made to be easy. Mm-hmm. It's made to be convenient. Okay. Yeah, healthy cooking can be convenient. Right. If, you know, if you kind of plan and do things. But again, it does take a little bit of time. Yeah. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's a little bit busy. of time, but it's so busy, but I mean, it's, the, the bacon grease. Yeah. You buy bacon or you make bacon, yeah. you cook it, yeah. you save your drippings, yeah. you win twice, brother. That's good biz. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not going out and buying other. Oil as much like you now have something in the fridge yeah. ready to go, and and you exactly. can use that for another. So something that that we've really prioritized in our family the last few years, especially as I've gotten more and more into different hunting and wild game and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So now you have this thing, like we want to use as much of it as possible. Mm-hmm. It, it's really yeah. um, waterfowl is one that gets me quite a bit. Like if you were to hold a gun to my head and say, okay, you can have one fish one land animal and one avian animal to mm-hmm. eat for the rest of your life, like without even thinking it's salmon, pork, and duck. Mm-hmm. Just because they're the most versatile. Yeah. They all have wonderful fat to them. There's yeah. a thousand ways you can cook each one of them, not yeah. to mention exactly. with their fat content, there's so much you can do with those different ingredients. Yeah. You can make one duck stretch. That's a week's worth of meals. Oh, yes. Easily. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, duck stock is amazing if people have never made it. Yeah. It's brilliant and beautiful and it's kind of this weird amazing combination of like chicken stock and beef stock like doesn't have the heaviness of beef like there's a lightness to it but just such wonderful flavor and it's got that like more kind of you know dark caramel kind of light chocolate color Mm -hmm. so it it works so well in a number of different things and i mean if you've never cooked potatoes and duck fat you have not lived yeah and another good thing with fat is you can use it to preserve things okay that's kind of what it was there to do that's a good point there's a dish uh, or it's actually a technique called confit Confit. okay and everyone does it with duck you can do it with pork okay what it is lemons you can do with anything with anything yeah you just need the fat, yep. right? And essentially what it is, is you take your, it's usually done with the thigh or mm-hmm. the leg, okay? Mm-hmm. Something a little bit more tough. Yep. Okay. You cure it, you got the salt, you let it sit for a few days, right? Salt preserves things. And then you cook it in the fat for a couple hours, right? Mm-hmm. Until it's tender. If you store it in that fat that it's cooked on, you can let it sit on the counter because no for, air gets to it for two weeks it's completely sealed it's all preserved it's sealed now when you're cooking it okay. that is that more of a low temperature you're poaching it, it opposed to you like essentially are poaching you don't want to boil it okay the lower you can do it the better okay okay and that's with anything you either want to cook it as hot as you can without burning it or as low and slow as you can go okay for a longer period of time it just breaks stuff down more i got you you know it just tenderizes it gets all that fat and good flavor in there you know all right, so here's what I want to wrap up with. I think we've talked a lot, a lot of great stuff, but the thing that I think we keep kind of coming back to is at some point the rubber has to meet the road, right? You got to kind of get out there, get your hands dirty a little bit, and even if it's starting with like a meal and just planning, shopping, prepping, I, I, 
I think that's a wonderful starting point because then when you find yourself with this ingredient, you're going to, you know, how to chop an onion or how to do this right. and this. But I think if you just kind of throw yourself into the fire, no pun intended, it, it's really the way to start to get comfortable within this world. So okay. what would be, I don't want to say your words of wisdom, but like <laughs> what's something that gets made quite often at the Darga household that you'd like to point people in the direction of and say like, start here. Like okay. this is a fun thing to play with. This maybe has got a couple techniques that you can learn a couple little things. Okay. It's something that, you know, you can create, have some creativity with something that you could like, just, just to kind of get you in, in the kitchen and starting to play with some of these things. All right. Well, I mean, I got one. I, my wife makes this all the time for us. Um, she actually cooks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Which is makes because because she makes was perfect sense because she was one of those people that was kind of afraid. Yeah, the same thing. Because um, I usually did the cooking, and yeah, um, when I wasn't home as much, she would kind of take the reins. Well, and, it's hard to be out cooking exactly. all day and then come home and cook exactly. dinner. So she's learned again some of the knife skills and yeah. different techniques. And the one thing she makes all the time for the girls, and uh, you know, both of us is pot pie. Okay. Okay. It's a great way. To, for one, to use up leftover chicken, leftover turkey, you can have beef roast, pork roast, whatever you want, whatever meat you have. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, first off, you have to chop a bunch of vegetables. Right. Okay. It's great learning to do those things, okay? Chop an onion, chop a few carrots. We got some, you know, some peas from the garden if you have them from, you know, from the freezer. You've got corn, peel and chop a potato, you know. Um, but they could go in light, as light on that as they wanted exactly. to. Like if add, they're just like, listen, add, I'm just you starting. Literally add whatever vegetables you want. Or just start with one or like two. One or two, you can put it unlimited. It's, it is, okay. it's a great recipe to get creative with, to do what you like to do. Okay. So all you do is you take a little bit of butter, you saute, you have all your vegetables. The, the biggest thing with cooking is getting all your stuff prepped, and ready to go. You don't want to be chopping onions and then put those in a pan and then have to peel and chop the carrots. Get everything ready at one time. Okay. Get your potatoes peeled. Get your your stock ready. You know. Get your your cream out of the fridge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Get your flour all measured out that you're gonna need. So what you do is you just you chop up all your vegetables, saute them in a little pan, medium heat. Okay. You don't want to get crazy with okay. it. Just medium heat. Um, is medium a good go-to for a just, lot of things? Medium, if you just put it on medium, you can go from there. All right, okay? so it's, it's kind of hard to go wrong. It's hard to go wrong. It's like a 350-degree oven. Okay. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> medium nothing, heat, 350 degrees. Nothing bad will happen at those temperatures. Okay. Ever. Good to know. Okay. So that's always a good starting point. And once, I mean, you'll be able to tell these vegetables are going to get a little softer. Mm-hmm. The onions are going to be kind of become, they call translucent, Okay. It's starting to break down that, you know, sugar out of there. So, so they'll go color. from that white to a little bit more, more like more opaque. Clear, more okay. clear. Right? Okay. And once that's done, you add a little bit of flour. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, you're, you're making the roux. Okay. When I went to culinary school, the first thing I learned was making roux. Really? What in the heck is roux? Roux is any fat mixed with flour. So that was a day one thing. Day one thing, I was like, what is that? And why is that? It's just you can use it to thicken anything. Any, okay. Anything. And there's okay. different ratios you can use okay. to be able to thicken huge batches, small batches, you know, light thicknesses, really thick things. Is that something so, that people could use an alternative flour for? If if perhaps gluten intolerance? You can use potato flour, rice flour, you can use 
any kind of flour you want to use, okay. go for it. it just and this is just to, to thicken our sauces. Thicken it, okay. So when you add your flour with your butter or your, your bacon fat or your oil, whatever mm-hmm. you're using, mm-hmm. it becomes kind of thick, pasty, yep. right? Once you add your liquid, in this case, it would be whatever stock, whatever meat you're using, you kind of want to use that type of stock. If Makes sense. Beef, a little darker stock. You're using chicken, turkey, pork, a little bit lighter. Okay. And you can get good stocks at the at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. You can get, there's good brands out there. Um, you can use really high quality chicken base if you yeah. want. But, yeah. you know, yeah. homemade preferably if you had a chicken the night before and you had some gravy, use the gravy. And that, I mean, to your My point, gosh, that's the I mean, thing. It's like up. if you're going to the butcher shop or if you're harvesting your own animals and if you have bones... Definitely. Use them. Yeah. Like, it's such a yeah. massive difference. And even just from the savings standpoint, like, if 100%. I make a pot of stock, like, that's 30 bucks yeah. worth of stuff I buy in the store. Like, 100%. that's significant. And it's real good for you. It's real There's good. There's a reason they say chicken soup when you have a cold. <laughs> you know, it's, it's because the bones extract so many good things. Okay. That's a good point. There's a tremendous amount of nutrients in the bones. Anyways, getting back to that. So you have your roux in your pan. Put your stock in there. Put a little cream in there. And what that flour will do is it'll instantly thicken. When it comes to a boil, mm-hmm. it'll start thickening your sauce. Okay. If it's too thick, add a little more liquid, right? If it's too thin, you know, you can you can make up a little bit more roux added, added in there. Okay. And then add your chicken. Okay. So all it is essentially is you're making a thick stew yeah at that point and all you do from there is you get a, a pie crust you can make it you can buy it uh-huh. whatever um dump your stew into a pie pan or a pie tin or whatever you're using put the crust over it throw it in the oven done right 350 degrees you know until it nice and nice and brown and bubbly and i mean that's do you egg wash on you the, can and what what does that so do the, uh, the egg wash essentially makes it shinier Makes it look nicer. Is that it's just a presentation? Presentation. Thing. So all, not a big deal. Not at all. And that's just egg whites. So it's it's a mixture of egg. You can use either whole eggs or mm-hmm. egg yolks, and usually you do milk. Okay. 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 For one egg, they say a cup of milk. Yeah. I like to go more eggs because I like eggs. Yeah. And whatever, but you know if it's too eggy, it becomes kind of goopy. And it makes sense. Thick and, um, but again, that's just to make it look good in the restaurants. They'll add that okay. to. Different items. So it's Make just it a, shinier. Just an aesthetic, not a huge exactly. deal. Step it, we could it doesn't really yeah. add much. Okay. Um, you know, if you're doing it at home. But again, it's something you can, you, you know, you got little kids, they can, they can kind of help you with this. So they can, they can measure the flour. Or they can help with the pie crust if you're making it. It doesn't they even sound like a lot of measuring. a little bit of vegetables. And it's, I mean, just add, you can add however much you want. So it's something that you can kind of riff with. Because exactly. to your point, if it's too thick, if it's too watery... Yeah. Like you can just tweak. Yeah. It's not like you get to, it's not like a souffle. Yeah. Where, where if it's not right, it's not right. It's not right. Exactly. You can fiddle with it. Yeah. You know, and, and try some different recipes like that. Make soups, mm-hmm. you know, different flavors that you like because there's no one way to make any of this stuff. Yeah. Right? It's a good you know, point. When, when you're baking something, you have to have it right. Well, baking's chemistry. That's, that's, that's more <laughs> of a science. That's more of a recipe. Anything else, you just get an idea. Yeah. Kind of. You know, what do I have in the refrigerator today that I have to use out? Try to think of some, some ideas, right? Google. That's what I do at my house all the time. Yeah, I'm looking for a recipe. I have crab meat and I have, you know, cream cheese and I have, uh, who knows, bell peppers. What can right. I make? Right. You know, so I kind of get an idea and I kind of just wing it and see what I can create. And that's the fun part. 
because you can there's at no point are you ever done learning exactly you know at no point are you oh I've learned everything I can about food there's <laughs> so much to learn so much fun you can have you can make it fun you can make it you know eating what you want to eat if you don't like tomatoes don't put them in right if you like a lot of tomatoes put them in right right if you like broccoli, eat it. I don't, I don't, I mean, but knowing it's not as difficult if you're planning it, right? If you kind of learn, just learn the basics, do it, screw up, and learn from it. Yeah. You know, that's how you do, that's how you get good at anything. And then, you know, after a few months, after a few dishes, maybe a year or something, you're like, oh, wow, this isn't as bad as I thought. It's not as bad. It's not as bad. You Then you can learn newer things from there, newer techniques. Um and who knows? I, I mean, you know, that's, that's how you get interested in things. Yes. Just by doing it, enjoying it. Um, and again, because I have little girls, I mean, we can teach them that, teach them all the, the fun stuff that a kitchen can offer. It, it's been wonderful for um, my daughter is almost 10, and my son is six, and he's really into a lot of the outdoor stuff. Like getting him to tag along on any hunting or fishing trip is not a challenge. Yeah. I mean, he's raring to go. He can't stay out as long, mm-hmm. but he still loves to be there. Exactly. She doesn't get into that aspect as much. And I want to make sure she has those opportunities. You know, I don't think just because she's a girl, she can't enjoy hunting, fishing, outdoors, right. things of that nature. Right. So I always want to make sure she has the opportunities, but I don't want to push it. And at this point in her life, it's just not something that has a high level of interest to her. Exactly. However, she's really interested and really involved in the processing parts. So mm-hmm. once things come home and we're breaking things down and grinding and packaging and cutting and cooking, like she, she gets very interested in that world. And it's been really cool because it's something we get to do together. Exactly. And we get to share that. And yeah. I mean, I feel good because it's these are things that she can carry forward and exactly. she knows where our food comes from and yeah. she knows some of these basic things. Yeah. And, you know, I really hope that by setting some of these examples when she gets into later on in her life and exactly. adulthood, like she'll have some of those values exactly. and beliefs in terms of whole foods and being responsible yeah. and a steward of the, the land and your game. Yeah. And, and But all that being said, it's enjoyable. Exactly. That's like what it's, it's all about. Exactly. At, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. I mean, just enjoying it with your family. Right. And, and the kitchen is one of the best ways to do that. Okay. And, you know, when the kids are young like that, just getting them involved, they might not like it now, but maybe when they do grow up, they learn and, you know, they they start seeing different sides of it when they can do. And, right. I mean, just, just exposing them to it, teaching them maybe some of the basics and... I mean, or that it's just not a terrible, awful, scary place. It's, it's, not. it's <laughs> not. It can be a lot of fun. You can get messy. You know, you can get messy. They make, you know, these uh, these knives. I mean, we, we bought, bought them for our kids. It, it's like a, I don't even know if it's a classic knife. But it's kind of uh-huh. got some teeth to it. Uh-huh. I mean, you can chop your apples. They can chop yep. carrots, whatever. And it gets them involved. They got them the little baking sets and stuff like that. And uh, just getting them... Used to as many things as I can. Uh, it's it, valuable. the key. And with cooking, I mean, it's, again, the nutrition side of it, there's so many things you can learn, right? My gosh, it's, it's endless. So. It, it, I mean, and I'll kind of leave it, you know, close as this, but, and, and you hit on this so many times, and I couldn't agree with you more. You know, we think back to, like, the 50s and the 60s when your average breakfast was 
you know, butter and eggs and bacon. And, you know, for a long period of time, we've looked back and go, oh, my God, they were so unhealthy. Yeah. And, uh, but the numbers don't agree with that. Yeah. I mean, when you look at, like, the issues we have societally in terms of health and wellness and disease. Yeah. So you could paint a pretty strong picture and a solid argument for okay, what have we started doing since then that has gotten us to this point and maybe we need to start going back to some of those. And and I think part of it too is just people used to sit down to meals, people used to prepare at home, we didn't go out to eat every night and I I do think that there's a a sense of community there that is very, very, very necessary for human beings to thrive. Definitely. And, And I think it's an area that we've gotten away from and I think the more that we can start getting back to there, it's yeah. going to make a huge difference for us personally, for our families, for society as a whole. Exactly. It's going to be better living and a better human race through the kitchen. 100%. Not being so basic. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Take a break. Take a minute. Yeah. You know, home cook meal with the family. Talk about how your day was. I mean, it's... It's never a bad thing. It's never a bad thing. No. I, I think, yeah, if people could strive to have the kitchen be a little bit more comfortable. And it might take some work. It might take yeah, some time. Definitely. But that's definitely. okay. And it's looking into something that's worthwhile and investing in. Exactly. So... All good things come to those who are patient and wait and, you know, learn and all that good stuff. Well, and hey, listen, folks, you heard it heard here first. <laughs> Classically trained chef Ben Darga will Google recipes. Definitely. So if he does it, there's no shame in the rest of us doing it. So it's okay because yeah. we all have those moments that we're like, I don't know what to yeah. make yeah. or I don't know what I got. And yeah. I mean, sometimes so you need ad- just spark. There's so many ideas out there. You know, it's hard you, to keep track of them. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's, I it's say that ideas. in all fairness that you've forgotten more about cooking than I'll ever know. <laughs> so, <laughs> But you're right. Like sometimes with all this stuff going on, it's – but yeah, it, it, it's it, – it, yeah. we have these wonderful tools. I think yeah. the time to – to, to learn these techniques and break down these barriers, like the tools are there and we all have them in our pocket. Definitely. It's just a matter of, you know, deciding that it's something that's important to us and why it's important and going from there. 100%. Ben, thank you so much, man. This was a pleasure. Thanks I loved having you on and I appreciate your insights and everything. And this, well, was, this was a great conversation. Thanks so. for having me. It was awesome. Anytime. that wraps up this week's episode with Chef Ben Darga. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for the support of the podcast so far. It always gives me a little bit of a thrill every time I get to go on and see how many of you guys are listening to this and um, I, I just, it, it's been very exciting um, having conversations with people and uh, it, it's something we really, really enjoy doing and, and you know, there's a lot of different things that we want to bring you in the future and a lot of things that we want to continue to talk about and uh, try and do our best to kind of expand that conversation around fitness and health and nutrition and all these things that um, I, I think can be very dogmatic. So I think today was a great example of starting to venture outside that box a little bit and talk to some different people and Um, So I really hope you enjoyed the conversation with Ben. Uh, If you're enjoying the podcast, one of the best ways that you can support it is to rate us and review us on wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts. If you want to give us that five-star rating, that would be greatly appreciated. If you want to write a review, tell people what you think about the podcast, wherever you choose to listen to it, uh, we would greatly appreciate that. 
If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if you have any things that you would like to hear, if you have any things that you think we missed, any angles, anything at all, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, the best ways to get in touch with us would either be email, uh, info at performancelocker.com regarding the podcast. You can also send us a message on Facebook. Uh, you can find the Performance Locker on Facebook and uh, any you can get in contact with us there as well. So uh, website is performancelocker.com. You can find all the links and information there as well. And until the next time, we will see you soon.